All right. Hey, would you join me in welcoming these special guests to the platform? Could we do that? <clears throat> let, me, let me make some introductions. Jennifer Sell, we've got Abby, we've got Maddie, and we've got Sarah McGregor. Uh, Sarah is homegrown, and her daughter, Abby, they're uh, a part of Venture. And Maddie is, actually, I got to baptize Maddie about a year ago. She and her folks are in my small group, and I'm so grateful to connect with you guys today. And Jennifer, I've known Jennifer for years. Uh, actually, Same As You is the organization we want to talk about. I don't even know if you had a name at this point, but I'm going to say seven or eight years ago, there was a dream that God had birthed in your heart. I remember a moment uh, just outside of our house, actually in our driveway, your daughter Jessica was in Dawn's small group, and you were there to pick her up in eighth grade, and you're having a conversation, and you were telling me about this whole idea. Tell us a little bit about that, but before you do that, actually, I'm going to ask Abby. Abby, can I ask you to share with everybody what is Same As You? Tell us what it is. Maddie, do you have something? You want to go first? Okay, perfect. Um, I would like my callers and spend time with my friends, and that's my... It is my whole year come come to the Fisher Christian Church. Uh, I was baptized for our family to save here. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> encourage that. Abby, you want to talk about your shirt? You've got a logo on your shirt. Same as you. I like Team with you because I go there and I really like how um, they sell. Well, Jennifer Sal and Sarah go there, and I really like them with you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Now, the tagline, if I'm not mistaken, is, that's my college, right? It's my college. It's, oh, it's my college. I think I've been saying that wrong. So, first person, it's my college. Yeah. Jessica, talk to us about that. Tell us about how this dream was birthed in your heart. And, that's Jessica. Uh, Jennifer. <laughs> J names. I used, to, I used to work with my husband, Carrie, and people would pass me in the hall and call me Carrie. And I always said, as long as they don't call him Jennifer, we're good. So I'll answer to I Jessica. just called you Jessica, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, Don. Oh, boy. <laughs> We've known one another well enough for long enough that we can do that. All right. Okay, um, so same as you. Um, Jessica's our middle daughter, and when she um, watched her big sister graduate and um, have all those things that happen at graduation, she started talking about where was she going to go to college. And, um, you know, in the state of India, they can go till they're 22. So I always thought we had all this time, and then it was approaching that it's like, wow, what is life going to look like after high school? And... Um, God just gave all these opportunities um, to me to see things outside of our area, outside of the state of Indiana, and just some really great, cool things going on, and um, I just didn't see that match here, and so then um, God started kind of stirring in my heart, well, what would that look like? And I, first I thought, well, that's crazy, but it's like, man, we serve a big God, and um, one thing led to another. It's a whole long, great thing that God did, and Stan said we have six minutes, so um, I'd love to meet with anyone later, but um, one thing led to another, and nine weeks before the shutdown, we opened Same As You. Our mission statement is to help young adults with disabilities live the life they imagine. 
Um, they see their peers going off to college, these beautiful universities, or getting full-time jobs, and it's a real cliff that um, these families come to. I'm one of those families, and there's a lot of extra time on their hands, and um, it's they just deserve more, and that's what we're doing at Same As You. We now serve 80 young adults. Every day is fun and different, and um, it's just really been uh, a blessing to be able to be a, a part of this. And what Sarah and I wanted for our daughters um, with those eight, you know, the eight students we opened with, so many other families wanted that too. So to be able to see this um, dream come true because of so many different people, it's been um, such a joy. Yeah, Dawn and I got to visit about six months ago, and I don't think I've gotten so many hugs in one short amount of time anywhere else in my life. You guys are doing some incredible things. We've been talking about how new life, well, there's a primary goal and a secondary goal. The primary goal is that God does something in us, 100% engagement. God, what are you calling me deeper into? That's our primary goal. Secondary goal, well, we want to pour fuel on some kingdom advancement projects. This is one of them, and you're doing some amazing things. Sarah, can I put you on the spot? Could you share with us, I know you've got a background in education and special ed, and God's wired you for this. What's a typical day look like at Same As You? Well, we are an educational model. We find that our students love being at school. It's a happy place for them. They love to have the opportunity to continue learning and to be in a place where they belong and they're surrounded by friends who love them and miss them when they're gone. So we start our day um, as a large group, somewhere between 35 and 40 students, all in our gym. We, we learn a song that goes to a Bible verse, and we do the same song for a whole month, so they have the opportunity to learn the, learn the verse. And we have the rest of our day, we have four classes that are a variety of modified academics, um, different academic levels for our students. We have traditional academics like science and functional math and history, current events, but also a focus on life skills and social skills and pre-vocational skills. And then um, we have a dance break every day. We have a nice 45-minute long lunch where they can spend time with their friends, being social. And we take a half-hour walk every day. And then the end of the day, we um, reserve about an hour to do fun activities like arts and crafts, play games, sports, uh, karaoke, anything like that. Um, so it's pretty fun, and, and I, I um, am a special education teacher by training, and Abby's my daughter, even though she referred to me as Sarah. <laughs> she is my daughter. <laughs> and like, like Jennifer said, we're just so grateful that God has provided a way for us to have a place for our daughters and the other 80-some students so that um, they have a place to continue learning and to grow and to belong and to thrive at, in life after high school. So people with disabilities are often unemployed or very underemployed, and we sure don't want these amazingly vibrant young adults sitting home every day being lonely and depressed and isolated. So this is just um, such a happy, joyful place that God has given us to serve these individuals. I love it. That's incredible. Yeah, celebrate that. I see some applause waiting to break out there. Okay, so cast some vision. You know, God's going to do something in us, then he's going to do something through us. Uh, hey, what are some of your hopes and dreams 
for the future. Okay, so um, almost a year ago, we moved into our own space. We were in borrowed space um, at a church, and <clears throat> we grew out of that space. It was so incredible to be there, um, opening right before the shutdown. I'm very thankful we didn't have um, a building to try to maintain, but through COVID, we continued to grow, and we're in this space. So we did our generosity campaign, and that allowed us to um, find this building and make some improvements to it inside. Um, outside's a little rough, um, but we make it work, and we're very grateful to be there. Um, God blessed us with uh, almost six acres of land. So some of our dreams um, are to have some outdoor inviting space for our students. We envision um, a covered area with picnic tables, lots of um, time could be spent out there learning, hanging out, uh, lunch, some outdoor fields um, to, uh, you know, kickball, soccer, things like that, and um, just really start working on the outside. We, you know, just we need more parking eventually, but um, some of improvements on the outside would be definitely a dream. And then beyond that, we're going to keep dreaming because we serve a big God and um, our, you know, we're we have the space to welcome more students, so we're just um, very excited and grateful to be a part of your campaign um, and see what God's going to do. Yeah. Uh, one of our boys has served a, a bit over at Same As You. She, he always comes back with some stories. I heard dance party and karaoke. We're uh, dreaming about some space out here for you to invite your one. You have one life to live. Who's the one life you're investing in? Maybe to play in our backyard, and then if you invite them, maybe they'll join you here in the living room sometime. I see some synergy here between our backyard and your backyard, some projects that we could get to be a part of. That's pretty exciting to think about. Hey, if you'd like to learn more about Same As You, I hope you signed up to be a part of our New Life Daily text that gets pushed out. It's a devotional thought about noon every day. If you haven't done that, please sign up for that. You can go, if you hit the blog, it's venturechristian.church slash newlife. Uh, if you hit that, you could see this past Friday, our very own Mary Ellen Stuber, who is uh, one of your teachers. She serves there, uh, and she worships here. She shared some of her story. There's a video on that one. Watch that. That'll give you more of an idea, a taste of what Same As You is all about. Before I dive into my sermon, could we pray for them? Would you join me in that? If you're comfortable, would you just simply extend a hand toward the platform? Let's pray over the good work that's happening. God, I thank you for same as you. It's my college. Lord, I, I thank you for what you're doing. And I pray for even more uh, into the future. 80-some students, young adults. Lord, I pray for each of them. And I pray for expanded reach as you give it. God, we are grateful. I thank you for each of these folks on the platform. Continue to do new life in us and new life through us. It's in your name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Could we give them one more round of applause and say we're grateful? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, I have, let me see if I can straddle my coffee there, perfect. Uh, if you have not yet received one of these vision guides, 
uh, maybe you've not been in the space the last couple of weeks, no shame, we get it. Raise your hand. I want to get one of these to you right now. We've got some ushers. Put your hand up in the air. Wave it like you just don't care. We've got folks that will bring them to you. Uh, Please pull it out if you haven't already. Open to page 30. We're going to take our sermon notes there on page 30. You'll notice that inside here, if you're just now receiving one of these, there's small group content. You're going to take the message notes and you're going to unpack them a little bit further. There's some vision pages that will share more about this whole thing, what we're aiming for, a primary goal and a secondary goal. You just met one of the secondary goals. There's really cool stuff going on there. Um, We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16 today, if you want to go there. Um, In the meantime, could I invite you to be praying? I've been saying this each week. Let me double down on this right now. Be praying, what is God doing in you so that God can do something through you? God nudges. I think it's entirely possible that sometime over the last two or three weeks as we've been talking about this, you've felt something stir in your heart. Might I suggest to you, that's not just the preacher talking, making you feel guilty or inspired or whatever range of emotions you might feel. I believe the Holy Spirit gives us nudges. Lean into this. Pray bold prayers. Pray courageous prayers. Put this some space in your house to remind you toward that end because in two weeks' time, our whole church family is going to make a commitment, a two-year commitment. I remind you that the primary goal is 100% engagement, that we're all doubling down on this. The next two years, God, what are you going to do in me so you can do something through me? Be praying bold prayers between now and then. In the meantime, as well, this Thursday night, we're doing a thing called Advance Commitment Night. This isn't just for positional leaders. This is for influence leaders. If God has been nudging you and you're saying, I want to lead out in this initiative, join us 6.30 p.m. at the old Woodland Springs Christian Church building where our story began. It's at 116th and almost Keystone Parkway. 6.30 p.m., we're going to gather. There's going to be some food after the the main event. I heard crumble cookies. Yay, that's cool. I heard hot chocolate and apple cider bar. But before that, we're going to gather and we're going to make bold declarations. God, what are you going to do in us and through us the next two years, new life through venture? Join us for that. Okay, the title of today's message is The New Life is the Stewarded Life. That's kind of an old-timey word, isn't it? Stewarded. What's a steward? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not the owner. The owner owns the thing. The steward, it's their job to care for that thing for the owner. Jesus talks about stewardship often. The Bible is filled with stories about stewardship. It's not ours. It's God's. We manage, that's the word, steward His stuff, time, talent, resources, we steward those things for him. We're not the owners. We're stewards. Do you know what a word picture is? I spent some time this past week reading from literature some incredible word pictures. Here's a couple. 
This is from the book Sweet Mercy by Anne Tatluck. It's, this, this is instead of saying, hey, uh, a sad smile, listen to this. Mommy turned to Daddy and tried to smile, but it was little more than a ripple of sorrow passing over her lips. Isn't that a word picture? You could just picture it. How about this? This is from the book There You'll Find Me by Jenny B. Jones. She could have just written, he smiled slowly, but instead she said this. His smile was a slow lift of the lips. It's a word picture. How about this one? (laughs) You could picture this gal. Instead of saying she stomped up the stairs, listen to this. She strutted ahead, stabbed the wooden stairs with her spiked heels, and unlocked the front door. You can just see the steam rolling off of her forehead. The last couple of weeks, we've been journeying through Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. We're in chapters 8 and chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, the longest continuous teaching in all of Scripture on this topic of generosity, this topic of giving. Today, we're diving into chapter 8. A lot of pastors, I don't know why we don't preach this. Maybe we think it's unnecessary. I've been preaching for a long time. I've been in church for a long time. I don't think I've ever heard a message from this text. I know I've not preached a sermon from this text. But I think that this passage of Scripture, and I think you'll agree, is filled with word pictures. I'm going to unpack at least three of them today, word pictures. Unfortunately, though, before we get to that, there are some negative word pictures in some of our memories. Negative word pictures of money, of the church, maybe of mismanagement, even scandal. Can I confess to you I have some of these? I grew up in the 80s. There's one word that in, just brings to mind a negative word picture around the topic of money and the church. Can I share it with you? It's the word televangelist. <laughs> Listen, TV is a powerful medium, and great things have happened for the gospel through the power of TV. I'll never forget sitting in my living room when I was a child. My dad loved Billy Graham and George Beverly Shea, and we would sit there together, and I'd listen to powerful preaching, and I'd see uh, just a stadium full of people and people responding to Jesus. Powerful things happen through the medium of TV. I don't doubt that. But this word, (laughs) it envisions in my brain, it calls to mind memories that I would rather forget if I could. I don't want to pick on anybody, but this one in particular comes to the front of my mind. Maybe you recognize, his name's Robert Tilton. This was the original Christian meme, at least in my mind. Long before social media, when I was a youth pastor back in the day, we didn't have social media, but I had youth pastor buddies around the country that emailed me videos, video compilations of this guy, and it was, com- it was kind of bathroom humor. It was comparing his facial expressions to potty humor. Boy. And I don't want to pick on him, but oh my goodness, did I hear some horror stories during that era. Maybe the phrase, give to get comes to mind. Negative word pictures. The health and wealth gospel. I'm guessing that some of you have negative word pictures in your mind's idea. Maybe even some, some baggage surrounding this idea of money. 
in the church. Maybe you've got a great aunt that got swindled out of some money. I've realized I kind of shy away, at least I have historically, from talking about money in the church because I have some negative word pictures in my head. Here recently I've been convicted of that. We talk about money all the time, don't we? I would dare say that every day each one of us has some kind of a conversation about money. I've been having several of these. We have adultish kids that are getting ready to launch out on their own, and we're having conversations about money. Why? Because it's a life skill. Could I suggest to you it's actually healthy to talk about money in church? Shame on me for not doing more of that. Recognizing that money talk is a form of pastoral care. What we're doing is discipleship. It's important to be having this conversation. Money, word pictures, can, and in my opinion, should be positive. We can redeem those bad ones. Jesus uses word pictures all through Scripture. He describes himself in Revelation as coming as a thief in the night. Isn't that a word picture? He's saying, be ready. You never know when I will return. He describes himself as the bread of life. We just celebrated that moment of communion a minute ago. That's a word picture. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm here to provide spiritual food that will completely satisfy your hunger. That's a word picture. But for my money, my favorite word picture in Scripture. You could find this in the story of the widow's might. Luke chapter 21. Check this out. Jesus looked up. And he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. This word gifts, I could preach a whole sermon on this. The Old Testament system, there's a system they called it tithes. It was a literal 10%. The fact that the word gifts is being used there indicates that this is likely above and beyond the 10% tithe, even the temple tax. Well, let's keep reading it. And he saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. These are two pennies, if you will. So he said, truly I tell you that that this poor widow has put in more than all, all of those rich folks that we were looking at earlier. For all these gave out of their abundance and have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Isn't there a word picture to be found here? I love it so much that in the middle of COVID, one of my boys and I were working on desks. He was working on one for his dorm room. I built one for my office, and I love, in the middle of that process, I embedded a widow's mite, a penny from the first century, right there in the epoxy at the front of my desk. When I was working on the sermon this week, it's a bold reminder to me that everything I have, I'm just the steward. I'm the manager It's all God's time, talent, resources. It's all his. The widow leaves it all on the table. God calls me to do that as well. I've got three word pictures that paint a picture of new life generosity. We're pulling straight out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16. If you want to go there, those Bibles that are underneath the seat in front of you, go to page 1,162. 1,162. Here's the first word picture. Enthusiasm and initiative. Enthusiasm and initiative. Let's read the text together, shall we? Verse 16. Thanks be to God 
who put into the heart of Titus, ah, enter a new character stage left. Paul has been writing to the Corinthians. He's been describing the Macedonian churches to the north and saying, hey, listen, they've modeled generosity so well. But Corinth, I want you to follow suit. There's a group of believers in Jerusalem that have fallen on hard times. We're going to receive an offering, and I'm sending Titus to you to receive it. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm. That's a word picture, isn't it? And on his own initiative. He's fired up to do this. Titus, the guy who's come to receive their offering, coming with enthusiasm and initiative. It reminds me a little bit of the same as you story, actually. I'm sure there have been a lot of sleepless nights, enthusiasm and initiative, gearing up to see the vision, a dream, become a reality. Just so we're clear, Titus coming was no easy task. I dug out my hand map last week. I probably need to do it again right now. If you'll envision this as the Aegean Sea, you've got Greece over here, you've got Asia Minor over here. Paul thought Titus was going to meet him here. He didn't show up in Troas, so actually they met each other over here in Philippi. And then he sent him on down, this is the Macedonian church's region, he sent him down here to Corinth for this very, very important task. We see enthusiasm on display here. Titus, enthusiasm. Do we usually think of this word in context for giving? There's a primary goal and a secondary goal even here for Titus, in my opinion. His primary goal, he's a pastor. He's come down to check on the church. And he's going to meet new believers. He's going to hear the stories of what's happening in their midst. That's his primary goal. But his secondary goal, well, he's going to pick up an offering. And he's going to be entrusted with carrying it south, even further south, across a body of water and some more land to Jerusalem. Why? Because God's people are under oppression there. There's persecution that's broken out against the church. They need help. They need fuel. Titus is doing this with enthusiasm. Not to jump the gun. We're going to talk about this in a message here soon. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, look at this. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? Another word for enthusiasm. God loves a cheerful giver. God's using Titus toward that end right here and right now. Can we go back to 2 Corinthians? What are the words we're looking at here, chapter 8? Enthusiasm and initiative. We talked about enthusiasm. Let's talk about initiative, shall we? Can I just say this? It is a privilege. I consider it a privilege to get to serve as your pastor. Dawn put up a social media post last night, and I read it. I didn't realize she was sharing this memory from five years ago, right before we came here to venture to get to do what we get to do. And the story, if you, oh, I would urge you to go back and read it. She shared it to my timeline, and it's on hers, and it's a post of a moment five years ago, and it's realized dreams today, and God is the miracle-working God. And I just read that last night, and I was like, oh, I feel like, God, you have blessed us beyond measure to get to do what we get to do. Can I say this as well? That leading through a season like this isn't always easy. 
There's nothing like a series on giving to really get the challenging emails to come out of the woodwork. Yeah, you can laugh at that. Seriously, though, you, you guys have been great. I, maybe I've received one or two, maybe three. That's designed to be funny. <laughs> but truly, I and the rest of our elder team lead through this season willingly. Absolutely. Nobody is making us do this. There isn't a bank breathing down our necks for the next payment. There isn't some kind of a facility expansion that we must have. We do this willingly and proactively. Why? Because we desire to see our church grow in this important discipline. Generosity. We want to see 100% engagement of our church getting to do this. To grow through this process, the joy and the grace that's found in giving. Let's continue on. I told you I had three word pictures straight out of the text. The first one is enthusiasm and initiative. The second one, it's the word trustworthy. Leaders, Titus, and some other leaders we're going to meet here in a second, trustworthiness is a big deal. Let's read the text together. Verse 18. And we're sending along with him, Titus, the brother, who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. There's a megachurch pastor, an influential pastor they're going to send along here. What is it that he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering? This is a pretty important task, which we administer in order to honor the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. Do you get what he's saying? We want to be above reproach on this topic of trustworthiness. For we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. Paul sends along somebody that's well-known. I suppose he's a celebrity pastor of his day. He's sending along someone who's well-known and trusted, though, by the other churches because trustworthiness is a big deal. It was important for Paul to ensure that these other early believers knew how trustworthy Titus and this other brother were and that they had gone to great lengths to ensure that the offering would be administered appropriately. Why? Because stewardship matters. Not just in the individual's heart, but on an organizational level as well, stewardship matters. Can I simply say this? Here at Venture, we take every dollar seriously. Every dollar. I was at an elder team meeting just this past Wednesday night. We were talking about making plans. We need to uh, affirm a budget proposal for the year 2024. There are some challenges for that because, well, we're in the middle of this initiative right now. But we're projecting ahead to 2024. We want to be wise and faithful stewards. Every dollar, we take it seriously. We're pouring over this budget, and I happened to notice we were in room 123. We had a a whole bunch of small groups that were meeting in the building that night. And at one point, we're in there working away, and I look up, and I see a bunch of folks walking past the windows, and I thought, oh, we've got some numbers on the screen. Oh, are we going to confuse people with this? 
But let me just say this. I kind of love that level of transparency. We want to be an open book. There's no hidden agenda. Actually, let me say it this way. Here at Venture, we have a culture of invitation. I mean that two ways. Please, be investing and inviting. You have one life to invest. Who is the one life you're investing in? We have a culture of invitation. I hope you're thinking about your one and how you could invite them to come and be a part of what God is doing here. We have another culture of invitation for those of us who call our church home. If you want to see exactly how money is spent here at Venture, we are an open book. Here's your action step. All you need to do is email our executive pastor, Daniel, at VentureChristian.Church. He'd love to show you. This is how we take every dollar seriously. Stewardship matters as well. Our staff is frugal. There's a joke here somewhere, and I would leave it to one of them to tell it. But um, my kids could tell you about my frugality. I pinch pennies, not just widow's mites. Some might say that it's duct tape and a dream around here some days. But our staff seeks to be wise and prudent and even frugal. The flip side of that, though, is I love this. Our church is generous. We get to serve in a generous church. Our mission statement, I love this, we seek to be real people doing a whole bunch of things, including loving courageously, speaking truthfully, and right here, sharing generously. And you guys prove that over and over and over again. I told you there's three word pictures. Here's the last one. If you're taking notes, write this down. This might even be an important one to talk through in your small group when you unpack this content later together. Trustworthy leaders, trusting body of believers, trusting family of God. Paul is calling the Corinthian church, be trustworthy or trusting because Titus and I, we're trustworthy. You be trusting. Let's read it together. In addition... We're sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous. And now even more so because of his great confidence in you. He's trustworthy. You're trusting. As for Titus, he's my partner and co-worker among you. I trust him. I know you do as well. As for our brothers, they are representatives of the churches and an honor to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you so that the churches can see it. Paul is saying, here's what I'm calling you to. Part of the action step of doing this. We've talked about this through the lens of money over the last few weeks. But some of this as well is releasing some of those negative word pictures, some of those false memes that we hold while every church is just out to grab my money. The word Paul is calling them toward, this action step, is trust. A $7 million over two years goal is a big goal. At least it is to this kid. I've been telling you this whole series that I have spent my whole life farm adjacent. I told you a story the first week about my grandpa and hedge apples. What I didn't tell you is that grandma and grandpa did not have indoor plumbing. Can you imagine? This is also in the 80s. We'd visit grandma and grandpa's house. This guy used an outhouse. I know what a Sears 
catalog is really for. One of my fears as a child was that something was crawling up from that hole and going to bite me while I was doing my business. $7 million sounds like a big goal to me. But can I share with you? We serve a big God. Amen. We serve a big God. Your God is also farm adjacent. Psalm 50 puts it this way. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The writer of that psalm, by the way, his name is Asaph. You know what he did for a living? He was a worship leader. He was a Levite. I've been to the Judean hill country where he grew up. I'm not even sure if there are a thousand hills there. What he's saying is, it's all God's. God owns it all. Trust. Somebody reminded me of a story the other day. I love this story in the recent life of our church. I mentioned that we get to serve, I get to serve in a generous church, and this illustrates this story. It illustrates that as well as God's provision. A few years ago, middle of COVID, I went down to a place called La Biznaga, Mexico, a rural space. We have a partner in ministry, a missions partner named Fame, Medical Missions, and uh, they've got a cool thing going on down there with doctors Esley and Sandy Fuentes. They needed a roof on a hospital building that they were building. Here's a picture from that era. Here's the dream of what it was. This is where it was at that point. There was no roof on the building. I'm pointing out. I'm standing in the space, and you can see there's no roof on it. I came back, and I said, hey, listen, can we raise about $20,000 to send to them to go toward that project to put a roof on that building? You guys were amazingly generous. It was almost overnight, I think. Uh, well, the actual money, I looked this up, received was $39,911.31. I think we rounded up, and we sent that down to them. Can I show you? Those are before pictures. Here are the after pictures. The progress that's been made. They're putting the roof on the space there, and here they are standing in front of that space with a roof on it. I love that. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell us that we get the right to scrutinize and to hold back our giving if we haven't fully vetted out first where the funds are going. You catch what I'm saying there? Trust is a big deal. The guy who wrote Psalm 50, Asaph, he was a Levite. God entrusted him with watching over the Ark of the Covenant And when David moved that tabernacle from ancient Shiloh down to Jerusalem, this is the guy who managed that process. How did he make his living? Well, he was a Levite. There was a tithe, and that's what fueled him to get to do ministry. You have Psalm 50 because of the investment, the generosity, the trust of God's people in that day and age. David wrote some of the Psalms as well. He might put it a little bit more boldly. He might be blunt and say it this way. Sometimes we just simply need to shut up and trust. I say that crassly. Honestly, I don't think that anybody at Venture maybe would go down that route. You don't have that idea uh, or you don't have uh, that hang up, but you get the idea. Let me rephrase that statement and say it this way. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be wise. Good stewardship means We're wise. We make wise decisions. We don't invest 
without our heart being connected. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be wise, but it does mean that we should trust. We should trust the leaders that God has put in place. Oh, by the way, we should trust the vision that has been set before them. I want you to hear a story. We've been sharing stories each week. This is a sweet couple in our church, Steve and Barb Ingram. They've decided to step into this new life and to live more for the things of heaven than the things of earth. Listen to their story. If I was God, would I give me more money? I enjoy going on home tours a lot. When you do that and look at cable TV shows, they're very good entertainment, but they also can create this, that what you have is not good enough and that you need to have shiny and newer things. We had several projects here at the house that we knew we wanted to complete. The master bathroom was uh, the first one that had moved to the top of the list. When we started the, to get serious about the remodeling, I never felt comfortable with how that was going. We became more frustrated with the prices, the budget going up, and um, it was almost, you know, like we just did not have any peace about it. Back in 2015, we wanted to add a four season sunroom and a new patio. The difference was there seemed to be some kingdom purpose for that. We were hosting and were part of a community group, so we could envision uh, having the groups here and have meals out here, also meeting one-on-one -on -one with others. It became pretty apparent that remodeling the bathroom was more of a want than a need. <laughs> and that it was not going to really serve a kingdom purpose. Yes, it would look pretty and it would be nice, but... Maybe I'm not prioritizing very well the money that I do have. The idea of doing the bathroom modeling was no longer exciting. We didn't recognize it at the time, but I think God was nudging us and telling us, you know, hit the pause button on this. <laughs> so we did, and... Uh, started thinking about the real priorities that we ought to be thinking about. God wants to impart his wisdom to us, but we have to be open to that and, and looking for it. So, you know, the bathroom became, you know, that became a dead end. There was really no kingdom purpose to it. Uh, yes, God gave us our home, and we need to take care of it and be proper stewards of it, and we will replace things as we need to. My first feeling when we agreed that we're not going to do this was relief. It was like a burden had been lifted and the, those funds can be redirected. It was kind of a compass, turning the compass back toward where our focus should be. And it felt, felt really good. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Barb, for sharing that. Oh, my goodness. Did you hear Barb say, God nudges? I just wonder, over the last few weeks, if you felt something stirring, it's not the preacher that's pushing you. It's God, the Holy Spirit. 
He does that. He nudges us. Did you catch Steve when he says, I want to make sure I got this right. He said, if I was God, would I give me more money? That's a great question. That is a stewardship question. Well, another way to ask that is, am I a good bet? If God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, does he entrust me to care for a few of those? To steward them? To manage his stuff well? Would you stand up with me? I hope that you are praying over this action step. Again, in two weeks' time, as a whole church, we're going to make our commitment two-year commitment. God, new life in me, new life through me. I hope you're praying toward that end. Pray this week, if you wouldn't mind, through a stewardship lens. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Be courageous. Don't be afraid to ask yourself even the hard questions. Am I I a wise steward? Does he entrust me with some of those cattle on a thousand hills? If you're ready to lead out, uh, Advanced Commitment Night is this Thursday night. We would love to have you join us there. Bring this with you. Come prepared to make a bold and courageous declaration, your gift before God, new life in me, new life through me. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray.